It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, hey, welcome everyone to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday. We're live and uh, really excited about today's show. Um, and really, today's show is a lot like our other shows where we really focus on talent and culture and trying to figure out how to better lead our people and what, you know, what really interesting things that our talented guests might be thinking about and doing. Um, I you know, really have had the privilege of meeting so many of them at shows and conferences, whether I'm speaking or uh, attending and, and really trying to pick their brain as to, you know, what cool things we can learn from them. What, what are they doing that we should be doing or we should be thinking about? And that's really what this show is really designed to do, is to help us tell these stories, um, allow what they're thinking about, the things that they're focused on, the uh, maybe some of their failures and mistakes and things we can learn from come out uh, here every Tuesday uh, as we kind of look to explore that with our, our different guests that range from, you know, heads of HR to CEOs to entrepreneurs to people who are in charge of talent and people and just kind of really the, run, run the gamut here of, of, of people that are really charged to, to bring home the best for leadership and culture uh, for their companies. Uh, we've had so many wonderful stories over the five years of doing the show that threw them in uh, in a book and kind of told my story about my company, People G2, in my best-selling book, The Power of Company Culture, which is now out on Audible as well. So if you like to listen rather than read, you got that option too. So I'd uh, love to have you check that out and let me know what you think. Uh, and you can do that by going to Twitter, where we keep our kind of our conversation going. We uh, at People G Two. My producer Mike uses the hashtag Talent Talk as well, and he does some live tweeting during the show. All kind of the best comments, the best uh, little tidbits, and we also that's where we like to have a little conversation with everybody. So, because over ten thousand of you a day coming in and downloading a show, and um, we'd love to to hear more from you and, and what you think and your comments there, uh, and to keep that going. Um, Town Talk, Town Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as I mentioned, but it can be accessed via our podcast, which is how most of you kind of pop in, and that's where we're able to track you. So I'd love to have you subscribe and listen on iTunes, uh, subscribe or listen on iHeartRadio, uh, and a big thank you to everyone who's tuning in on a regular basis. But now we got all the business done, let's get to my guests. Uh, my first guest on the show today will be uh, Kiffany Hoover, HR and human capital strategist. And then after the commercial break, we'll bring in uh, Don Myers, Director of People and Culture for Montage International. All right, but let's uh, bring in my first guest. Uh, Kiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, 
you know, what's important for us to know about you um, and everything that you're doing in, in your role? Sure, sure. Um, a little bit of background. Um, I've spent uh, 20 years in the human capital area, um, kind of by default, if you will. I started working with Johnson Controls up in Seattle, Washington, and after spending five years in a finance role, uh, was acquired by a German company and offered a position to go live and work from Dusseldorf, Germany. And there took a position internationally, uh, traveling around doing acquisitions and specifically heading up the human capital part of the acquisitions. So I kind of landed into the role and then from there uh, decided to take the educational route and finish my PhD in organizational design and uh, take on a couple leadership roles within VP of HR, uh, specifically in that acquisition space, very inquisitive companies, um, spending a little bit of, of time with a roll-off of Deloitte called RGP, uh, doing business consulting in the Los Angeles area and then finally going independent for the last two years. Um, really focusing on change initiatives, working with start a lot of startups right now that um, are trying to to get their their roots and realize that they didn't really consult with human capital previously, or they don't have a budget for a full time human capital person, um, and trying to set them up with strategy and success going forward. So that's a little kind of brief overview. So it sounds like you've you've been all over. You've done a lot of different things, and so I'm kind of really excited to hear your perspective. And um, you, you know, when we talk to someone who's lived in different places and worked for big and small, they tend to have a, a pretty good grasp of of what you know companies should be thinking about, what entrepreneurs should be thinking about. Um, and you mentioned uh, specifically sort of working with startups right now and really helping them navigate their human capital challenges. Yeah, but what are some of the things that startups face that can either kind of make or break, you know, their early success that you're seeing? You know, I think a lot of it is uh, you see the owners, the the involved owners specifically. You know, they have a great idea, they have a great concept, and in the beginning, you're just trying to get legs underneath it, right? And so you you have somebody, you know, somebody in your network. Maybe somebody has a friend of somebody. And in the very, very beginning of incubating an idea into fruition, that is a fantastic resource. But what I find is that they end up out of loyalty holding on to somebody that isn't the right fit for what they need to go going forward. And so a lot of times, the majority of the times, I'd say 99% of the times, by the time that they contact me, they're already starting to disband. They may have a couple people that have a title of vice president that aren't functioning the way a vice president should. And then I have to very quickly come in and evaluate, is this somebody that we can grow into a role? Is this a stretch for them? Or is this something where we actually need to go out to the market and find the talent? And I have to say, the majority of the time, we're having to go out and find the talent because it just wasn't the right person in the right place. It doesn't mean there's not another right place for them in the organization. That and then the other compounding factor is in this day and age, too, where we have so much technology as these startups are getting growing, you know, they're going through so much transformation internally, and they didn't really manage or mitigate or expect the change in the communication to be such an impact. And that's why they're seeing a lot of maybe internal failures. You know, maybe the, the, the target to the customer is accurate, it's on point, but internally they're really struggling. And a lot of that has to do with communication and change. Yeah, and we see this so often. I, I just wonder what point will this become a more well-known issue for entrepreneurs? Um, you know, yeah. that you brought up kind of two core things there that, you know, they're not overly focused on this in the beginning. They're, they're 
you know, really focused on whatever that idea is that they're bringing to market. But yet it's really the people that are going to help them get there. And that, that seems like a secondary is probably not even it, maybe third or fourth down the list of, of who they're bringing in. Um, and, and then this this concept that we've heard on this show before, which is the person that maybe helped you in the beginning, right? The person who was the right person on the bus at the start is often not the right person to help you then with your next you know, strategy, your next, you know, iteration in the market. Maybe they were great for a startup, but now you've gotten a bit more sophisticated. You've gotten some people and now you need a new kind of person. And and I think if, if entrepreneurs thought about this in advance, they were, this was active in their mind, they could have that conversation with that person early on that, hey, this is like a tour of duty, right? Come in for a couple of years, want to do this thing, and then we reevaluate the role and where we're at in a couple of years and decide what's best. Is that a better approach? And do you think that that's ever going to get the right kind of saturation where it's not like, you know, they're pulling their hair out all of a sudden? You know, I think that's a great question. I think that there's a lot of work done with the entrepreneurial group and the startup group around how do I formulate this idea? How do I get this idea off the ground? How, how do I get this to market? And there's less work done around the people aspect of it. And I think if we open the dialogue and have more conversations, you can never call a human capital consultant early enough. And I think that they get locked into still in this day and age in 2019 of, what is HR, and they think of it as employer relations and investigations. And while there's certainly that aspect to it, there's a whole other strategic piece where we can be very valuable resources in helping to mitigate these future issues and helping to write maybe employment contracts that make sense under that. Um, and I just don't see it still where human capital is really at the table from the beginning of inception. And I think that has to do with, with how that market when they're out there networking and talking, because um, I've spoken to them, of going, oh, my gosh, this is stuff that I never thought of. Just the same way if you're a medical doctor, they don't give you a business class. So a lot of medical doctors aren't great business people, <laughs> if you will. Uh, right. You know, it's that same kind of concept. So I think that that's it. And, and, you know, in comparison, I've also worked for very large companies, and I have to tell you, it's really no different there either. I mean, there's very well-established large companies that I've worked with, a, a food manufacturer, for example, that everyone would know of at their t kitchen table, and, you know, they hadn't even heard of, of change management. They didn't want it introduced as a word when we were going through a huge technology change, and so this really is, is just indicative of the entire market. I think it just takes a bigger toll on those startup companies because every, every dollar is so valuable. And when they start realizing that they don't have the right person and that's really costing them money, then that's where they feel the pinch versus a larger company that can kind of keep it going and keep it rolling for a few years. Yeah, I mean, often the frustration is that they wait until it's a problem. Um, it's sort of a, you know, it's not going to happen to me kind of a scenario or, uh, you know, part of what makes a good entrepreneur is someone who has the guts and a little bit of the ego and the passion to say, this is going to be a good idea and I'm going to go make it happen. And often that kind of bleeds into their belief. And I've been very guilty of this as an entrepreneur that, you know, I can pick the right people. I don't need anybody to sell help. I can, I'm, I'm smart enough and good enough and clever enough that I can pick the right people to help me. And then, you know, we all fail. And we all right. messed that up. And we could really use that human capital person um, or wherever they're going to get that help at, at such an earlier level and in such a more intense level. But I just, you know, it's like it's 
hard to kind of figure out that equation, you know, because those CEOs kind of are entrepreneurs have that kind of DNA, right? And until they really hit the pain, they may not be willing to bring somebody in. And and that's that's very accurate. And you don't want to diminish, you know, you never want to take away that passion from them or deflate the balloon, if you will. Um, Obviously, their gut instinct has gotten them as far as it has, and that's respectful, respectable. Um, But then it becomes, okay, now I need to have somebody else who has that gut instinct with people, you know, who's really been there, done that to actually be my right-hand person or to be involved in this. And I think, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got um, was hire the person in that fills in your weakness. You know, hire people in that, that build you up and that make you look even stronger. And, uh, and, I, and I think that's kind of the, just has to go hand in hand with as they're building their company, really looking and evaluating that within themselves. So that's a really interesting concept. I mean, uh, we talk a lot on this show about focusing on your strengths, um, and I think it's kind of a waste to be trying to get better at your weaknesses, especially at work, that there's other people out there, right, that can love to do something that maybe you're not good at or are really good at something you're not good at, and they will do a fantastic job at it, which far better than whatever you could do in trying to to be better at or learn something that you've struggled with in the past. So as you're looking to bring on talent into these startups, is that sort of part of the strategy is to help find people that really, you know, balance them and can counter their strengths and weaknesses? Yes, and and it's it's a balance. So one, you never want to hire a consultant that this is going to be a stretch assignment for, right? You want to hire a consultant that's very, this is their niche. And on the other hand, when you're hiring employees, though, you want to hire employees where this is going to stretch them and grow them. And so when you're bringing in those employees, it really is that kind of seeing them a couple of positions ahead. And I've done a lot of speaking around the 2020 engagement, around the year 2020 with the millennials entering the workforce. It's not only attracting and getting the right talent there, it's keeping them so that you have them in those future couple positions forward as the company's growing, that they're really bought into what it is that you're selling, that they're really seeing themselves as part of this community that you're building. So that's a piece of it, too, is you can't just, that's great, we hired in the right person, we got the right person in the right role, we can see them growing, but do you really have the challenges there to keep them? So you have to have a talent acquisition strategy that is all-encompassing, that's, that's more than just putting an ad out there and hiring the right person. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've sort of, this is another one of those, you know, does, but it seems like it's still a stretch, or still a difficulty for people, is, you know, Having the right people in place certainly feels like and seems like, from what we see out there, that it really impacts a company's ability to reach its revenue goals. And yet, it feels like it's so low on the totem pole, right? The product and service is most important. Who's investing? You know, there's so many other factors, the software, the where they're located, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and who are we going to hire again? Um, when, when it really, it feels like it should be in reverse. Are you still sort of seeing that, how, how, how I'm kind of encompassing that? Does that still feel like how it is today in 2019 or is that changing at all? I see it changing with some of the companies. You definitely have, you have a group of companies specifically in technology just because the market is so, so tight there where they are really having to become creative in how they're going after their talent. But I, in the, when you come back to startups and even, you know, your mid-market up to billion-dollar companies, um, I don't see that it has, that we really embrace those changes 
and that we've really come, okay, we need to really have some serious conversations around employee engagement as part of the talent acquisition strategy, as part of keeping this group here. Uh, they're just, I, I hear a lot of discussion about we're frustrated because the millennial workforce is so transient. You know, they'll spend nine months to 18 months in a position and not think twice about moving on. And, and we're not coming up with the solutions and embedding those solutions as part of our corporate culture. And even in these startups, you still have a corporate culture and you can still identify with that while, while attracting that talent and keeping that talent and keeping them engaged and keeping them part of that community. And so one of the things you got to kind of do in there is have a strategy, right? So how important exactly. is it for an organization to have the right kind of strategy? And at what point should they start thinking about that strategy? Honestly, the sooner they start thinking about the strategy, from the moment that they're taking off and you're bringing on your first employee that's no longer the CEO, is really when you need to start having a strategy of, okay, if we're growing, then what do we do? And then really you need to reevaluate that at that second tier where you're expanding, you've outgrown your current footprint, whatever that is. Um, you know, you're at 25 employees, 50 employees, you're starting to add on employees, you can see where this is growing and revenue is growing, and now you need to have a talent force that's going to grow with it. And it's not just as simple as let's go hire in another person in, in this particular department. There's some great HR analytics that and data analytics that you can really use to drive what that's going to be. And taking into account the attrition, taking into account your growth factors, what are these key positions that I need to hire for in the future so I can start marking those now and then kind of doing a gap analysis going backwards of, okay, now who do I need right now today that's going to take me there? Yeah. And, you know, that that sort of carries into every part of business, whether it's, you know, someone starting up a company um, or, you know, when uh, they're looking to expand or, or to get better. Uh, and then in another area where I know you have a lot of experience in, that's in the mergers and acquisition space. And uh, this is an area that I have often, you know, been somewhat frustrated with and also just laughed at because, it seems like every failed M&A fails around people. And yet, Always. that is the area they spend absolutely the least amount of time talking about. It's all, you know, does the software work? What's the profitability? What's the, you know, important things, and a lot of financial stuff, a lot of spreadsheet analysis, right? But yet, they mm -hmm. never talk about, like, will these two groups of people who are going to then come together work, or will the management teams work, and things like that. So how crucial is it to, to deal with some of those things and create a roadmap and, and put that at, at the front part of that process? You know what I find interesting on that is that I, I was involved in a, in a very large um, acquisition with a uh, cable provider, and in that acquisition, they didn't have a playbook for people. And that's not, that's very indicative of the entire industry with acquisitions is that when it comes to people, they really don't have a playbook to follow. They don't have a roadmap to follow. And HR in particular and human capital and people are both vertical and horizontal work streams, right? I mean, you have people in every department as well as you have the entire HR department that you're, you're acquiring. And they're really, from what I've seen, I've been brought on to those. The, the strategy there is very much lacking of what are we going to do with these people and even knowing what these people do. And, you know, it's not as simple as just sending out kind of a tell me what your day is, tell me what your activities are, can we use this person or not. I've been, I've been part of seeing 75 people show to a meeting because everyone's afraid that they're not going to hear what's going on and that they need to be involved. And so I think that goes back to a lot of also the communication and change work that, 
really isn't embedded in those acquisitions either. So you kind of have a twofold problem. You have a problem of not having an HR strategy for the acquisition, and then you also have a problem of not having the proper communications and change management going on at the same time, which, of course, just makes it absolutely chaotic. And the sooner you would have brought human capital in, you know, some just simple communications and planning in the beginning before day zero would have really eliminated all of that. But that's even indicative of, of huge global acquisitions that I've been a part of where there really isn't a strategy or a plan there, which is just shocking in 2019 because I've been talking about this for 10 years and and we're still here. <laughs> yeah, and it just seems like there should be something around aligning culture, something around that discussion Um I mean, the people themselves inside of these organizations can completely, you know, in a passive-aggressive way, melt down this entire thing if they want. But even beyond that, just the leadership teams being able to function together and communicate together and work together. I mean, if they've come from two totally different cultures from a geographical standpoint, cultures from a business standpoint, uh, I mean, it it, it can almost be, uh, you know, unfixable. So... When should this should this be a part of that M&A process? Is it, you know, in the discovery phase or is it in the, okay, well, let's figure out how to make this work once we've decided we're going to buy this company? Perfect. I mean, obviously, I would love to be part of the discovery phase, but at least in the due diligence phase of really understanding what are we acquiring, who are we acquiring, who are these people, what do they do, making sure we've identified who the key employees are so that we can put retention plans in place to ensure that we're keeping them. Um, When we're talking about employee selection and downsizing too, really having a plan before day zero of what, what are we looking at here, how many people are we acquiring, what, what are their strengths? Where have they been on employee engagement? Have we had that initial town hall to tell everybody what's going on? A lot of times that hasn't even happened until, you know, midway through the acquisition and everyone's just scared for their jobs. Um, you know, and then creating kind of what's going to happen with the employee benefits, communicating that to the employees. There's just so many questions I find from the employees. And, and we have as human beings a tendency, and this is personal, work-wise, anything, that in the absence of information, we fill it with negativity. That's what we do. And so especially in key stressful moments like an acquisition, if we are not communicating to employees, talking to employees, telling them what's going on, why it's happening, we're going to lose key employees. And that's usually your biggest risk going into something like this. The software problems will take care of themselves. Finance and their spreadsheets I can't speak to as eloquently but really when it comes to those key employees and understanding what they're doing, the last thing you want is that some, some asset walking out the door without having the information and something, a ball being dropped in that transition. Right, right. And, that, and that's, that, that, that's so important, and that seems like it happens far too often in these deals that are just gigantic and, and, and so much money and so much risk. Um, that can be a great, uh, you know, benefit and reward if they work out, but they can be so disastrous otherwise. But so, you know, uh, we're, we're kind of running out of time here. We're getting down to the end. I want to make sure that we ask some of our, our important questions. Uh, and one of those is that we love to kind of know, uh, what's on your mind is, is there a book you're reading right now or one that you've recently been suggesting people check out? Um, I'm very much into the analytics, um, so I've been reading the data, data-driven HR, how to use analytics and metrics to drive performance by Bernard Marr. Just there's always, there's always new data, new ways to 
I, sh I should have been an economist maybe. I just like to pull different sets of data and see how they correlate. And like I said, too, when you're looking at talent acquisition going forward, there's a lot of analytics that you can use there to really know what you need to hire, how many people you need to hire, and how to grow an organization. So um, that's one that I, I found really fascinating. Um, not, not for everybody, but uh, definitely for me. <laughs> Well, and that's a big, uh, it's a lot going on right now. I mean, a lot of the conferences that I'm speaking at, that's it. There's an entire track just on that, right? I mean, that's it's a pretty big focus uh, yeah. on a regular basis. So if people aren't exposing themselves to that kind of thing, they definitely should find some uh, some reading, whether it's some articles or journals or a book um, or find themselves in a track in a conference. I mean, it's, it's certainly impacting the world of work uh, on a very, very high level right now. And I think it's one of those um, things and, that you can really use to engage the CFOs and the CEOs of companies because it kind of gives you a that when you when you come together economically on here's here's the finance here's the numbers that I think that that really speaks to them in a different way than just kind of here's how it looks and feels. Right. Right. Well, how can people uh, get a hold of you? How can they find out more about your services if they need your help if they've listened to the show and you know saw the error of their ways and they're ready for help, how can they find out more? Um, definitely you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter at one Kiffany, Kiffany with a K, um, K-I-F-F-A-N-Y. Well, fantastic. Kiffany, thank you so much for being on our show today, bringing such great insights about leadership and human capital. Uh, and hopefully our listeners can take something uh, back with them and use it in their own careers and experience. And uh, I'm hopeful we can have you back at some point on the show and give us an update on all that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. All right. We'll have a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with my second guest, Don Myers. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Hey, welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget, you can find us, well, just about everywhere. We're on iTunes. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio all the other podcast apps that you might be using. You can find us there, Talent Talk. It's all one word. Um, and also you can go to talenttalkradio.com. It's another great place to do that, uh, sort of through Podbean, if you know that system. And you can subscribe there as well and be notified about shows and search around. And and also, we, we'd love to have you follow us on Twitter, at PeopleG2. And, you know, we always do a little live uh, tweeting there during the show. And so you can get kind of the, if you're not able to listen, you can also pick up on them. What were the best little one-liners, the best tidbits that may have been uh, kind of said during the show. So um, love to have you follow us there and uh, interact there as, too, uh, as well too. So 
Let's go ahead and bring in my next guest, uh, Don Myers, Director of People and Culture for Montage International. Uh, Don, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? What should we know about you, especially as it relates to our conversation about talent and culture today? And, you know, what is your kind of main focus over there at Montage International? Well, I've been doing this for a long time. It's been been uh, director of human resources, now people and culture, for about 20 years, and uh, came over to Montage a little over a year ago here at Pendry, San Diego, brand new hotel, brand new brand. And so we are developing it as, as we go along, and it's all about the people, and that's what I love about it. And um, I've been a Marriott girl for many, many years, but Montage really does embrace the people aspect of things and make sure that truly if you take care of the people first, then the rest really does fall into place. Yeah, and so one of the things that I think about, and this is something as we're a California company, you know, you're here doing that work in San Diego, not not too far from us, um, is that you know there's this kind of push and pull between how do you figure out all of the complexities of being a California employer, along with then doing the things that you want to do from a culture standpoint. Um, while still thinking about compliance and all of that. So has that been something that you have found to be, you know, a push and a pull or something you had to really think about? Or, you know, um, is that not, they're not really connected? No, I think it is a push and a pull. And I think you have to have the balance. And um, I think that a lot of leaders tend to go one way or the other whatever way they're most comfortable with. So you either have, um, in human resources, you either have frustrated lawyers who are all about the law, or you have people that are just planning parties and picnics and doing all the fun things that go along. And either side of that is a very dangerous place to be. And so what I operate from is CYA squared. And we all know what CYA means. We have to cross (laughs) our T's and dot our I's. But we also have to care for our associates, so care for your associates. And I try to walk that line of how can we care for our associates, yet do it within the lines of compliance. Because the laws were put there because someone broke the law or did something egregious, and so these these stringent laws were put into place, of course, in California. I always say if if you can do business in California, you can do it anywhere. And so they were put there for a reason. So if you can do it and do it in a way that shows even more care for the associate, then you, you've got a win-win. Yeah, and, and I think that's really important about that caring uh, component, right? <laughs> um, not in every situation, but I think in, in general, if you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to do best by your people, most of these things can be figured out and, and mitigated in a way that makes sense. Uh, I think when there's yes, that lack of care, right, that is when people then turn to, to lawyers and they get upset and they get frustrated, and then we suddenly have to to take our our uh, you know grievances out in front of a in front of a judge, which is certainly more difficult and far more costly. Um, yes, and be willing to be vulnerable. Sometimes it's okay to say, "Gosh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake, and let's figure out how to fix it." Right. And I think so many times in this, this litigious world, we're too afraid to say, I made a mistake. Let's just pretend like that never happened and ignore it. And then, you know, people are people and they feel that and they just want to, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you care? 
And when they don't feel that and they don't get that sense of that, that's when they go looking for attention in other places, whether it be legal or union or whatever it is. Right, right. And and so that really brings in this, you know, concept that it's important for leaders to build relationships with their employees. Um, There's a lot of things that are important for leaders, but where would you put that on the scale? Is that the most important thing they need to do? you know, to, to kind of get into this, what you're talking about, into the CYA squared? I think so, because I think that when you build that relationship, then that that's where the respect is built. If you build the relationship in the right way, then that's where respect is built. That's where camaraderie is built. Um, that is where someone's going to go the extra mile for you. That's where loyalty is. Um, so much comes out of that relationship. To me, everything flows through relationship and everything's a negotiation. So if, if you can get a leader to understand that and to master that, a lot of other things will fall into place underneath that. Right, right. And, and then, you know, you sort of have this, what we want is these really good relationships with our people and their people. And we want results on the other hand, you know, and uh, then we want compliance. And there's so many different kind of, it's almost like a SWOT analysis, right? It's like four different kind of opposing things that are are happening at at one time. Um, And and they really can impact how how our people feel in the end. Um, Is there there sort of one area that you find kind of gets a little tripped up on most of the time that that's the area where people get off the road and they they stumble a bit, um, you know, in not being able to have those real relationships with their people? I do. I think that when it comes to having those difficult conversations, those that are trying to build the relationships tend to not want to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that they feel like, gosh, to have that conversation is going to ruin the relationship. Whereas I'm standing with them saying, no, all the more that you should have those, those conversations because it's kind of like those, those personal relationships that you have. When you go through a rough patch and you, you have those difficult conversations and you get through something that is difficult in your own life and you get to the other side, how much stronger are you in that relationship? Um, in your own families, when you go through a trying time where you had to kind of talk about things that maybe weren't so easy and you get to the other side, you're stronger for it. You're better for it. And I think that getting leaders to understand that, that we can't ignore those things, but once we go through them and walk through them and kind of be a support to that, then they can see the fruits of that labor. And that, that's the real side of, of leadership. That's the difference between being a manager and being a leader. Yeah. And so, and I've heard this sort of an interesting um, way to put this recently that, you know, for some people, it's strong culture and engagement are a real thing. And for some other people who I don't necessarily agree with, but I kind of wanted to get your opinion, they think that's just kind of all HR jargon, and it's really just about the relationships. Um, what's sort of your thought on that you know, difference of opinion? I think they're both right. I think some people use it as the jargon, and it's just like something they say, and they walk, walk around, and they talk about. But I think the real truth comes through the relationships. 
when you see strong leaders, they have people that follow them. And the people follow them because of the relationship, because there is a connection between them, because there's respect, because there's mentorship going on, because there's caring going on. And when you really care about someone, you tell them when they're making a mistake. And I talk about this in our Know Thyself, which is our orientation. Coming in to people and culture is not a bad thing because if I saw someone running around with their shoes untied and didn't call them in and say, hey, your shoe's untied, do you not know how to tie your shoes? Do you need help tying your shoes or are you just refusing to tie your shoes? I care about you. I don't want you to trip and fall. Or do I just want to wait till you trip on your shoelaces and then make fun of you? There's, there's a big difference. And when right. you look at that analogy and you look at that and say, gosh, do I care enough to call someone in and say, hey, did you realize your shoes were untied? How can I help you? Or are we just going to let people run around with their shoes untied and, and say we don't care? Yeah, and that's a, and that's a great point. And, and, and it does at some point, I think, it is different for every person on how they want to approach it. But especially for your senior leaders and especially for the people who have the most impact on, you know, what your culture is going to be like, what your company is going to be like. I really think that they have to be thinking about it holistically as an approach towards culture, towards engagement. Maybe that middle manager, maybe that, that front desk manager, right, who's got a couple people reporting to them, that's not really in their their comprehension or how they're going to think about things. And they're going to think more about their relationships with the three people that they work with every day. Right. Um, but right. from a senior leadership standpoint, it, it just feels like it's so important and yet it's so missed often. Uh, and they sort Absolutely. of leave it to everybody else. Right. Right. And I, my belief is, is if that senior leadership is not united and they don't have that open relationship and that ability to, for lack of a better word, confront one another in a healthy way, then there's no sense in in the rest going down because ev- everything flows through that leadership. Right, right, and 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 that really that really can can make a fundamental change into how companies are really, uh, I guess, if they're being a strong. Uh, or engaged culture, or whether or not they're being passive aggressive or not meeting their goals. Uh, you know, and if you think back in some of your uh, different experiences and different uh, with different companies, different hotels, you know, what what sort of has, I guess, made them more successful versus the others? You know, was it that culture? Was that strong engagement? Um, uh, you know, attention to, to people? Uh, or, or were there other factors as well? I have been very fortunate probably in the last at least 15 to 18 years to where I have had senior leaders in my life that have cared enough about me to speak the truth into my life, Um, which I know has not been easy for them because I'm a very strong personality. (laughs) So I'm I'm very um, A-type personality, and I'm a results-driven person, and sometimes I can forget about the journey. And... um, but I have had great people around me that have cared enough to tell me, hey, wait a minute, did you not see that? Did, you need to slow down. You need to take a breath. You need to go slowly. You just ran that person over. Did you see that? And if I didn't have those people in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at in my career, nor would I be able to mentor the people in my life now 
or would I be able to help create the culture that we're creating now at Pendry San Diego? And I feel so fortunate to have an open community where we can share openly with one another on our leadership team, and and um, it's now spilling into our management team, um, that I feel like that is what is separating us from, from other hotels, because it's it's a cultural difference, because there are a lot of great hotels. Um, and this, I truly believe, is the greatest, but what makes it different are the people and the relationships that they have not just with one another, but that they create with the guests. And that can't happen if there's dissension amongst them. Yeah. And and then that sort of leads into, you know, if we're, if we're not kind of closing that gap, if we're not doing a good job there, we start to, to lose some of our best people. We start to struggle in our recruitment, um, you know, goals and strategies. So have you found there to be certain keys to really, you know, retaining our best people and and then to, to going out there and being able to recruit the best people to bring into your organization? Well, I think it was tough in the beginning um, because Pendry was not a known name and Montage is newer um, overall. I think it's becoming easier because Pendry and Montage is becoming more known as far as recruitment goes. Internally, I think the biggest thing is is to be sure that we're not pigeonholing anybody and that we're really promoting from within and growing from within. Last year, we promoted 57 people from within, which is an amazing number, um, sometimes to our own detriment, to where, like, okay, we got we got to be sure that we're covering all the holes and that we're making sure um, that we're taking care of, of the business as well as the people. Um, but I love that about us. I love that... Um, we want to grow our own people first before looking outside for other people. And um, I think that that is another way that Montage and Pendry is different, and we will continue to do that, and we will grow people until there's not a place for them. And then I think we have to say, you know what? It, it's your time to fly. What's great about this this um, organization is that we're going to double in size in the next couple years and so there's going to be hotels all over the world and there'll be task force opportunities and there'll be uh, new positions all over that will be able to slot people in so so it's not going to be uh, a issue for us in the near future but eventually it'll it'll be we're going to have to let people fly be free you know elsewhere but that's that's part of you know, the, the cycle of life. Yeah. Well, one of the things I thought I w- might ask you about is, you know, it's, it's always fun to talk about the, the good stuff and the easy stuff and the, you know, the fun stuff around culture and people. But, you know, sometimes we hire people and it doesn't work out. You know, maybe they're the wrong fit. Maybe they're not able to do the job. They didn't have the training or the skills necessary or the desire or effort, you know, um, and, and, and then we need to let them go. And so what are your suggestions on how do we do that effectively in a way that obviously is respectful to them, but also maybe is helpful and not disruptive to the culture at large? Um, Sort of seeing where all of a sudden, you know, someone disappears, right? And you figure they're gone, but no one really said why. Uh, And to your point, people who they don't know the information, they start to fill in with negatives. Um, Other times they're giving out to sort of making a general announcement, but that that can be uncomfortable too. So how do you guys handle that? 
I think that we try to be as transparent as possible without giving personal details. Um, we do a lot of training and retraining. So I know that if someone is struggling, other associates will see that they're, that, that someone may be trained and retrained. And, and I do believe that they understand that when someone is separated from employment here, that it is, it is really not the first choice, second choice, third choice, fourth choice. It really is the last thing that any of us want to happen. And I'm pleased to say that that nine out of ten times it's a thank you. I completely understand. You know, I appreciate what, what you've given me here. You know, there's always that, that you know, one or two that, that, you know, don't seem to understand. But for the most part... You know, people, if, if it's done right, people let themselves go. And, and it's a process that you, that you walk through and you do it as graciously as possible. And you share as much information as you can without getting into the privacy of people's lives. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, that's uh, definitely good, um, you know, and a good approach. And it's, sometimes it's hard to be transparent. Sometimes it's, you know... Um, it, it's 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 not an easy thing to do if that's what it comes to. But to your point, if you guys have a, a, a good retraining program and you're putting them through that, yeah, I think to most employees, especially those that they work with, if they've if they've gone through that retraining four times, then if you know, after that they're no longer there, it's a bit obvious that they weren't able to to grasp what they needed to grasp uh, in order right, to stick around. Right. Or if it's someone who's been calling off constantly or not showing up or something, and they've been the ones covering for them. You know, they can see like, okay, this has been wearing on me. I, I completely understand what's gone on here. So uh, usually it's not something where someone's like, what in the world happened? You know, it's not a, a travesty or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah, I think and that's, um, you know, it, 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 and it's always tough. You know, you, you want things to work out best for those people you hire and you hope they're going to come in and do a great job. And, just, you know, that part of it is sometimes it's just not the right fit. Um, things were not aligned where the best intentions were there. And, you know, for really for both parties, I find that if you can get to that, figure that out sooner rather than later, that's also helpful because the longer it goes, the harder it is to kind of really, I think, deal with it in a, in the right way. Um, Absolutely. But, and even for the manager, because then, then some, some bitterness can even grow. It's like, why do I keep spending so much time and, and, and effort, and we want to give every opportunity. But once you know that it's not going to work, that's when you need to put put a, um, an exit strategy together. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, the, you've really kind of given us some really good things to think about, um, and it's really interesting to get perspective in, in kind of being in different environments, especially inside of a similar industries. Um, I'm wondering if there's a book that uh, you're reading right now or maybe one that you typically suggest people check out uh, that we might think about. Well, I just picked up a book um, that I'm going to start reading because of a blog that I read um, from these two people. It's Winning Well. Um, by Karen Hurt and David Dye. It's a manager's guide to getting results without losing your soul. So um, the blog that I uh, read from them was fantastic. So that's going to be my next read. Um, it comes with great accolades. So um, we'll see. 
um, I tend to throw myself into everything, and sometimes I can lose my soul. So this ought to be good. <laughs> so um, we'll see. I'll post on LinkedIn to let everybody know what I thought. And is the blog something of interest that you know people in leadership and HR might want to think about checking out as well? Well, what I do for my um, managers is I do enlightened leadership, and so every Monday I send out um, just something for them to think about that's going to help transform us into great leaders, kind of growing together. So I pick a TED Talk or a blog or something that kind of helps take us to the next level, and I send it out to them, and this was something that I saw and shared with them. So this is something that that I do every Monday for, for my leaders and um, so, um, I don't know. I, I've blogged before, but, you know, I've got so many things going on. It's, it's just, you know, one thing at a time. So. <laughs> right. Right. Well, how can people uh, find out more? Maybe if they want to come and, and work at the montage, maybe they want to come and stay at the montage. What's the best way for them to do all of that? Absolutely. Google is your friend. So um, if you just get on montage.com slash careers, um, that's where you'll find Montage. Um, you can Google, um, get onto Google and Google anything as far as um, any of our hotels. We have many. Um, there's PendryHotels.com um, slash careers as well. There are two Pendry hotels right now, but we're growing. Um, there are several Montage hotels. I can be found on LinkedIn and um happy to help anyone in their in their career path or or answer any questions that I can so well fantastic Don thank you so much for joining me today really uh, appreciate all your insights and hopefully everyone uh, learns something new like I did and they can take it back and use it in their own career in a positive way uh, and we'd love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on what you're doing great thank you Chris all right next week I'll be joined by John uh, Bernatovitz, uh, founder of Willery, and uh, Charles Wilson, the executive director of CEO of Southern California Water Coalition. I think I've messed up someone's name in there somewhere, which I guess it just makes it a normal show. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.